Hey, party people. Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out our other episodes at thisamericanhorrorstory.com. Welcome to This American Horror Story Podcast, an unofficial podcast about the FX TV show American Horror Story. We have just come off the premiere episode of Season 2, Asylum, and are here to break it down for you, talk about our thoughts. Um, To begin, I would just like to go ahead and raise a toast to the beginning of the second season. I've got some bourbon and apple cider here. And I have some bourbon over here. Cheers, Tyler Moss. Cheers. And let's get right into it. I think that we should begin by discussing overall, very general overall impressions of the episode. And then we'll kind of get into reasoning and kind of a little bit of a breakdown. Sounds good. So, what what were your thoughts, feelings, what struck you from the first episode? I I, I think first off... um kind of the last impression we got from the end of the episode maybe might be a fun place to start where we actually see bloody face immediately Mm -hmm. and we're kind of left to think because as we learned along in the episode that evan peter's character kit has somehow been dubbed bloody face we're assuming and we also see the present day bloody face so we're kind of left thinking is this who is this right so we see yeah, the same the character obviously they're talking about bloody face in the modern day so we're left wondering is this the same person or I guess that's a question that we will be answering I assume throughout the rest of the season um yeah that he was that was pretty gross looking right um and- Anyway, we can come back to that when we go through the storyline. But yeah. the other thing that really struck me was how overtly sexual this episode was. There was a lot of sex. It was and just... A lot of different forms. <laughs> right. All in your face. Like, nudity and Starting from sex. the very beginning, which I know we'll get mm-hmm. into in just a minute. But that, yeah, sex was definitely a major theme. And it makes me assume that that's going to be something we kind of continue with throughout the rest of of the season so it'll be interesting to see how that proceeds but yeah there is a definitely multiple you know a lot of sex <laughs> yeah sex um, scene. I don't want to say sex scenes because it wasn't quite full on but close um yeah exactly the one thing that um I found particularly interesting and this is kind of a concern we voiced going into it is I thought that compared to the first episode of season one I did not find this episode as scary as the first episode of season one. And I think the reason being, there was a lot more exposition that they had to get out in this first episode. There was already a number of different storylines we're following. We're following Kit, uh, who is the one who, you know, his, his they think to be bloody face, who is, they say skinned his wife, thinks he's probed by aliens. We're following the journalist. Um, who's now committed. We're following Sister Jude. So we have all these different characters that were, you know, they had to do all the background story for, and obviously there were scary elements, but it was not uh, as in-your-face scary as the first episode of Season 1. Right, I agree. And I guess 
I'm curious to see how this plays out because this is kind of one of my concerns going into this season is did they have too many characters on their plate to begin with that it'll be almost too much jumping around? I thought it was a little bit jumpy. I I mean, I think they made it work okay. Um, Some of those transitions were pretty cool from the present time to the... Or for the past to the present, they did it. Yeah, they they smoothed them together well, but it was a lot of jumping around. I mean, right. we we didn't really get that far with any one character. You know what well, I mean? Right. If we think about the, uh, from the beginning, the first season's uh, pilot episode and this season's pilot episode. The first season we started in the past with those two twins going into Murder House and you know dying, <laughs> right? And then we jumped back up to the future. Um, and this one we start in the future. With the scary, you know, uh, first kill or first scare, and then we jumped back to the past. So it's kind of the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, we're pulling a reverse here, which um, I'm sure was intentional on the creator's part. So on that note, I guess let's dive right into kind of opening the, scene. The opening scene where obviously we have Adam Levine and his new wife on their haunted honeymoon tour. Uh, and I think this is supposed to be location 12 of 12 on the Haunted Honeymoon Tour, the last stop where apparently they've had sex in every single place on the right. Haunted Honeymoon Tour so far, which I, first of all, I have to admit, I, I felt like this concept was a little bit cheesy, that they had just gone and had sex in all of the uh, scariest places. And I mean, I, okay, maybe theoretically that's something that people would really do, but they seemed far too normal for it to be that, that couple. I needed to see like a really crazy, creepy, gothic couple who's <laughs> doing right. something. Right, she's like. pretty hot for a horror freak. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say it, it just gave me, it totally reminded me of modern day slasher films, you know, haunted houses or camping in the woods or serial killers in high school. It was cheesy. It was cheesy. And let's hope that the writers meant for it to be cheesy as an homage to those scary horror movies and I that so. it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to give him credit for that. Uh, what do you think of Adam Levine as an actor? <laughs> I I thought that he... Uh, he was all right. He right? was all right. I mean, obviously, his arm to... gets ripped off within the first five minutes. And so his his time there is short-lived. I assume he's going to bleed out on the floor is what we're going to... I mean, well, his eyes opened at the end of the episode. so And he's gagged, I believe. And at the final scene, so does did I, I mean? So I don't, he's still alive. In did they like belt off his arm so he's not bleeding anymore? I, I mean, it, I did see. We'll see I, what yeah, happens. Right. I, I can't imagine he has. I mean, what yeah. a rough way to start. Right. <laughs> but, I agree. Um, his girlfriend, though, I thought, she, or his wife, uh, I thought she was really good at playing her little horror freak sex sexy girl <laughs> i thought she did her part i thought he did his part too yeah for what it mattered i did think it was funny that they're all into this you know have sex in a really creepy location thing they right. get they just get started and she hears the tiniest noise and oh we're gonna go figure out what it is i mean i cannot believe that is the first creepy noise they've heard in all you know in 12 different places that that would bother her that would seem more like something that would just turn her on even more right i, I was real quick though the the in the opening scene also with with them it it was a blatant reminder that oh oh yeah this isn't fox <laughs> yes uh, the the two scenes i think of are the one where they're about to have sex on that doctor's bed or whatever the music switches which was awesome and she's like strap me in yeah. and then clothes get ripped off fingers get licked and i was like oh we're going there <laughs> yeah and then the second thing is uh when 
she ch- like has him uh, uh, follow her when they're going to go chase that noise, and she says, "You can totally put it in my ass now." Or like <laughs> yeah, some really. Like, oh, oh boy. Okay, we're here. Kind well, of a necessary that's... line, really, but I guess they just wanted it to be in your face. Okay, this is not right. Network television you're watching right here. That was a line I feel like the teenage boys wanted to put in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was a shout out right there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. um, so once his arm gets ripped off, she starts running about and we fade into the past. Right. Uh, I believe the year, is it 1968? 1965? Uh, 1964. 1964. Okay, so 1960s. Um, oh, another thing I wanted to mention is that I thought there was a little creepy, like, uh, when they're in back in the present day when they're going through the asylum they go past a pile of shoes I don't know if you noticed that I did that was like a holocaust homage kind of thing I kind of felt like I don't I mean right I got that vibe too yeah that was I'm not quite sure what the connection is going to be there yet but I guess we will see just I mean obviously a sign of a creepy horrible place where people disappear right um and I guess we have a Nazi doctor to talk about coming up anyway but okay so let is let's jump to 1964, where we see Kit as a mechanic. This is Evan Peters, who played Tate in last season. Um, he is closing up shop, and he kind of gets scared by some I, friends, I'm saying that with quotations, who kind of seem to be uh, hinting that um, they do not approve of Kit's uh, race relations. Right. His, inter- his interracial marriage. His interracial marriage, which is hidden, we realize. Right, right. that's true. Um, so maybe they just know something's going on, but they don't know quite what it is. So Kit returns home to his beautiful wife, puts on his ring, and tells her that he wants to tell the world about their marriage, even though he was pretty much just openly threatened by his friends. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he comes home, and uh, yes, he says that, and then they go straight into another sex scene. It's like... And yep, sex scene number two already. This is probably yeah. at the ten minute mark about. Right. Uh, the pork roast gets cold and chewy as she points but out. But the first course was amazing. <laughs> so he says that was that was a pretty cheesy line off to the side uh, as well. I, I'm finding it a little tough to see him as married just because at last season I saw him as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, it's a qu- yeah. married. <laughs> Do we know how old he is in real life? We're going to have to look that up. No, we'll have to look that up. I would guess probably like 22 or something. Yeah, I would guess probably something like that, too. Um, so we then have her go to continue dinner while he's smoking a cigarette on the bed. And then with... Is it, right, real quick before... I know where you're going, but the song that was playing was a song. Uh, the lyrics say, please don't take her out of my life. Hey. Oh, I didn't... Way to, way to go, music selection team. I did not even notice that. That was subtle. I, subtle I really love the 60s music they were choosing. It was pretty... That was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, th- I thought I did think they had a great music selection. Okay, so Evan Peters is, he will be turning 25 in January. Oh. Okay. So he so played, he married. yeah, he played much younger than his age, obviously, mm-hmm. in the first season. Um, okay, so, so aliens come. So there's a flash of light outside. He thinks that it's his friends come to, I don't know. Uh, Do something racist. Yeah, exactly. Hang his girlfriend or shoot him or something along those lines. He goes outside with his shotgun that was under the bed, and there is, like, a a giant flash of light. What happens? He, like, runs back into the house. There's some noise that's, like, ear-piercing. The whole house is totally a mess. Well, he hears his wife cry out for him to come help. Um, He runs back inside. There's this terrible noise. He gets, like... 
sucked to the roof or something like that. And then we see this scene that is cut to where essentially it looks like he's being probed by aliens. Right. And yeah, your stereotypical bleached white room or something like that pretty much. Yep. And then it kind of goes black. Um, and now I believe we're not supposed to know whether this is in his mind or something that really happened. Although I think we have something happen later in the show that kind of hints that maybe it, it isn't was just real. in his mind. Right. Um, so that was freaky. Uh, and we go from there to the reporter, our intrepid reporter. Um, do you remember what her name was? Oh, shoot. Uh, Sarah Paulson's character, but I can't remember her. Sarah yeah. Paulson's character, who plays this reporter who is going to do this expose on the asylum. Right. So she kind of takes us into the asylum in 1964 to begin with. Which, when she arrives, there's a pan. Um, there Actually, the, the shot follows her. She's going into the asylum. And uh, as she approaches the building, right after she talks to the the one asylum patient, Lily, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and then, and then sister Lily uh, Ray, Lily Ray yeah. uh, the 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 camera does a beautiful, and it reminded me of Amityville Horror, where the the, the, the camera uh, tilts up. And zooms in toward the top of the building, just very slowly, and it's oh, right, it's right. And then we get that great camera shot of looking down the stairs, where you kind of get a full view of the freak show. Kind of, there's stuff going on all over. I would, I would like to go back and do like a freeze frame and just see right. what is happening out each of these different places. They do a um, lot of pretty interesting technical shots with different styles throughout the whole the whole episode the camera work was really impressive I thought in this this episode overall um anyway so sorry journalist arrives right so the journalist arrives she runs into this cre- like women creepy with like a unibrow and and essentially you know Lily Rabe's nun comes out and says oh don't touch her and she said oh they're doing no harm and then she has some great line like no she actually is dangerous she drowned her sister's baby and cut their cut off, off its ear something, something yeah. bizarre yeah. like that yeah. and so we're like okay this place has an edge even though this right. woman looks like a lovable dwarf <laughs> yeah <laughs> but they have an edge <laughs> so she takes her up they we get this beautiful shot down the stairs we go up to um what seems to be sister jude's office yes, where Jessica she is Lane. shaving the head of chloe sevigny the sex for being a nymphomaniac Right, um, and they kind of burst in. Just Glenn is not very happy. Yeah, they're bursting in. It's our we're introduced to Chloe Seven went Seven Year that way, and then we're obviously introduced to one of our stars, Jessica Lange. Mm-hmm. First impressions on that that scene where we first see sis, um, the sister out there <laughs> shaving. It, well, we obviously know immediately right off the bat that she is a stickler for rules and punishment. And you, like, her way is the way um, that all the patients will have to go. You know, they have to abide by her rules. And then Lily Rabe's character obviously is kind of the bumbling, innocent sister that's trying to, you know, impress her superior, but also kind of is just very, she comes across as very innocent. Right, and we have this scene where Jessica Lang is basically getting interviewed by the journalist, and she, it's under the pretense that the journalist is um, interviewing her about like some bakery program they have at the asylum that's apparently making money. Which and is I, a total cover. Right, and I think this whole conversation reveals a lot about Jessica Lang, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, we immediately see her adoration pretty much for her Monsignor... Um, 
how she thinks he's responsible for everything that's good that's happened here um, and how she's just, you know, one of his faithful servants and all that kind of stuff. And obviously we see the journalist basically writing hiding something in big letters on her notepad when she's supposed to be taking notes. I know. Once again, this show is not about subtlety. They are hitting us over the head with so many things. It just, just reminded me when uh, the journalist shows up to the um, to, to the asylum and she gets the flower from the one patient and she, of course, pricks her thumb and bleeds. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's not okay, a sign. Okay, I got it. How much symbolism do we need, really? <laughs> right, right. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. They're beating us over the head with it. Um, so we go kind of from this. Oh, and in this conversation, what is it? Uh, I think the sister. The line I wrote down is "mental illness is the fashionable explanation of sin." Is what mm-hmm. Jessica Lang says. That was great. That was a great line. I think that's very much the embodiment of her character. It's her philosophy on everything, and I think it will definitely be a theme that carries through. I agree. I like that. Uh, so and then it breaks down to where she says, "Oh, bloody face." is the real reason I'm here, basically, when they find out that, you know, he's he's arriving at the asylum at that point in time. The reporter begs to see him. They right. We're Frank excited. To... Yeah, and so we're thrilled to see who is it going to be. Well, who do they pull off the bus? But Kit, Evan Peters, who apparently, since we last saw him black out, has, they say, has skinned his wife. <laughs> and his blaming... And apparently they're saying he is the one who has worn her flesh on his face. Right. Now, we we learned that Bloody Face has killed two other women as well. And has made By cutting their heads off, right? Cutting their heads off, right. And so I'm interested to see how they're going to trace that back to Kit as well. But right. uh, he's basically the one they're going to pin this on. He kind of enters the asylum, and now we're following him all of a sudden into the rec room, where we see Chloe Seventy again, is on an infomaniac self, basically claiming him for her own. We see this really creepy children's music playing in the background that he immediately wants to turn off. On his way to turn it off, he's intercepted by the French girl named Grace. Grace, yes. Grace, who uh, basically tells them that no one turns it off or they get punished. Yeah. Um, and and then she, and then he starts and then he gets in that fight with Mark Consuelos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they end up beating each other bloody, and then he gets taken to the nun's office, and Sister Jude la- canes him Oof. with a cane out of her giant closet of big canes. Canes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so that's, that's we follow Kit's story there up until we jump from here now back to Dr. Arden I think if I had to choose a creepy character of the show our MVP for creepiest character thus far this guy might be uh, I make my list more so than Jessica Lange more so than Monsignor obviously we haven't seen very much of Bloody Face yet but clearly he has some issues um, right off the bat, he comes across as the villain, the real villain. Right, right. And what's interesting is sister, the sister clashes with him, and it kind of he humanizes her a little bit. Even though up until now we kind of feel like she's a little bit of a villain, and we continue to. Right. But it's interesting. But she has weaknesses. She has lust. She's got uh, ambition. Like 
we saw that with that whole sequence that she has with uh, Monsignor. Uh, right, yeah, where she envisions herself. She envisions herself having a sexual fantasy right. with him. Apparently, we learn under her nun habit, she's wearing red lingerie right. and just dreams of Which, shedding it. And he tells her that he dreams of making this, you know, asylum so successful that he's appointed Cardinal of New York. And she can come with him wherever he and goes. And become right. Mother Superior, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, so, so we learn she has ambition, and she also has a little kinky side. Right, she certainly has a kinky side, so she's not all wholesome herself either. But when she confronts Dr. Arden, we learn that his patients have been disappearing. He chooses patients who have no family or friends to ask any questions, and we don't really know where they're going. Although we kind of get a hint of where they're going... We learn that they are disappearing into the forest, where the sister has to bring out the other sister, played by Lily Rabe, brings out buckets of raw meat for them to jump out and devour. Right, which like reminds some, me of the the teaser that they had, uh, where the nun walks out and dumps body parts out onto the ground. And we're like, right, what is going on? So that was now we know. There. So uh, clearly, this is going to be. Um, a continued subject we follow. I believe these things we learned just in, in reading articles initially are called raspers. Right. And they're in like his weird science experiments. So we'll learn more about those. Um, okay, so uh, multiple things happen here at once. We, we, we kind of see the reporter back at home talking to her girlfriend, who's a teacher, who is basically encouraging her that this is the story that is going to propel her into the big time. It's going to get her the Pulitzer. She needs to go for it and sneak in and get the big scoop on what's being hidden in the asylum. Right. So, of course, the reporter... As a journalist, would you do this? (laughs) Well, I think, like we, we kind of talked about before, this is a little bit of an allusion to some of that investigative journalism that was happening back at the time when there was kind of weird stuff going on in the asylum. I think that, it, you know, as a journalist, it... I, I give her credit for it. I think that it was necessary. That sort, of, that sort of reporting was necessary. I think that she was ill-prepared for it. I think that she just acted on a whim and showed up and ran into Lily Rabe, who snuck her inside the asylum. Right for for a, for a uh, character character who planned uh, somewhat meticulously to get into the asylum to do a bakery quote bakery story, just showing up and wandering out in the in the uh, outer yard of the asylum doesn't seem like it was very well planned, and it seems out of character for someone who prepared initially so well. Yeah, it seems like she was quickly blowing her cover um, to base. I mean. She kind of acted as if she had some better plan, but it seemed like this was pretty reckless. She was pretty lucky she happened to find the right. sister outside feeding these things to give her a, a hand inside. Right. And but then she, when gets she gets inside. Right. And when she gets inside, and, and then the one sister has to run off, and here comes Jude down the hallway. She What does she do? She jumps into an empty cell? Like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she she we, she runs past, jumps into it. Well, before this, let's keep in mind, the other sister has shit thrown at her oh, from right. Mark Consuelos who pooped yeah. in a cell. <laughs> I love that. I love that poop stuff. Sadie's going to fling it out there at him, so she gets yeah. all perturbed and runs off. And so the reporter's by herself and gets attacked by something behind a metal door, which right. we assume to be one of Arden's experiments. I don't know if it's one of these raspers or something like that. We'll t- I mean... They hint we'll more find about out. that later. Um, simultaneously, there's a little bit of a flash 
point where we see Arden is uh, abducting Kit from his cell. He's in solitary confinement now after the fight with oh, Mark and Suelos. Right before that happened, though, uh, we just jumping in. Grace came and visited him and brought him some food and a cigarette. And that's and, right. Uh, well, they established a little bit of a friendship there. Right. Um, yeah. Which will continue. He, she says she says that she's in inter- because people say that she cut up all her family. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Chuck her family right. into little pieces. Yeah. And so. One thing I think that it will continue is we're always going to be suspect as to whether or not these people actually did the things they're accused of. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, they, she befriends him and will clearly be helping him as time goes on. But Who he, knows if there's an ulterior motive, though? Exactly. And they're very, very well might be. But um, Kit is abducted during this time. The journalist is sneaking in by Dr. Arden, our Nazi doctor, who is conducting weird, bizarre experiments, who thinks that Kit's brain is going to be more interesting than anyone else's brain because it is vastly more evil. And so we kind of had, like, I almost thought it was a allusion to Clockwork Orange where he puts, like, the things to keep his eyes open. You know what I see? And we have, like, the close-up on his face right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I was a little... I I looked this up to be sure, but... um, he talks about getting getting into the occipital lobes. Okay. Which is, he says, is in the front of your brain. It's actually in the back. <laughs> so, so, well, we can just blame that on him being a quack scientist for all you know. True. Maybe he's or, just trying to trick him. Maybe so. <laughs> or poor work. As a scientist, I was a little offended. <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> anyway. um, then we kind of have him see these flashes. He's freaking out. We see flashes again of him being abducted and of his wife screaming for help. And then we see the doctor find some hard, hard, like, node in his neck. Right. Takes a scalpel, slices open his neck, and pulls out what looks to be like a little weird computer chip. And then the computer chip grows like spider legs and runs off. Right. I totally. That was unexpected. Right. That, that reminded me of the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, those things that like drill into your stomach or whatever, right? Yep, and they're little bugs. Yeah. Like microphone bugs. That was totally unexpected for me. Yeah. I did not... That was too sci-fi for me. I was like, well, I guess we're already in the sci-fi world because we're doing, dealing with aliens, but... It, it almost it almost feels like they're like throwing all these things up in the air or throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. I felt like maybe that was a little bit too soon to hint so directly that Kit was... That Kit might be telling the truth. Right. Because I feel like part of what could make this season intriguing is us not knowing whether or not he really is the killer. I mean, whether or not everything that's going on is inside of his mind. And I guess it could be argued that this was inside, you know, some fantasy of theirs as well. But I felt like it was a little bit too overt for for our first episode. Yeah, it was... It could be one of those things, though. Like, it reminds me of Scream or a lot of the old Agatha Christie murder mysteries. You know, the first person that gets cleared as innocent actually, in the end, turns out being uh, guilty. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so he could very well be crazy, or he could very well be normal, but have still have murdered his wife and those two other women. Maybe the aliens made him into bloody face, <laughs> an ageless bloody face. Right. So, we'll see what happens there, but that was a very creepy scene. Yeah. I, b- before we move on, Grace had a quote that she said to um, uh, uh, Kit when she visited his cell. And yeah. I think it might come back later as part of this, her storyline. 
but he asks her why she's being so nice. And she tells him, what you put into the world, you get back. So Karma. That could be that could be a couple yeah, that could be it could mean a few different things. We'll see. Yeah, maybe Maybe she well, she, we also we know she also killed if she did kill her family and put that out into the world. Who knows how that could come back, right? So that'll be that's a good that was a good note. Um, so let's see. Oh, by the way, I, we did forget to mention that as the journalist is kind of going through the hall, once Lily Rabe's nun runs off after the poop is flung at them, she does run into Chloe Sevigny's character. Who some orderly has had sex with her? Right, sex again. Oh my gosh! (laughs) So clearly, she's seducing everybody in this entire asylum. Right, Uh, maybe she is an addict, probably. (laughs) Maybe she'll give birth to a demon baby. Oh dear! (laughs) You gotta. Someone's gotta be end up pregnant with all the sex that we have going on. Um. So. We then go back to basically Sister Jude found out that. Uh, the journalist was in there. She canes Lily Rabe's character from her big thing of canes. But that, well, no, she's, she, she, all, she actually almost she doesn't. Does. Actually, right. she doesn't. And it's because Lily Rabe's character says she's stupid. And we find out that maybe Sister Jude has like a, a soft spot. She's, a, a little she, bit. She's, she's somewhat maternal towards Lily Rabe. Right. Once again, she's humanized a little bit, which I think is interesting. Because at the same time, we kind of segue right from there to her essentially blackmailing the journalist's girlfriend into right. signing an affidavit of her insanity so that way the sister does not expose their lesbianism and keep the teacher from, from continuing right. her work as a teacher. And I, so it, it's very, you know... Right. There's She's two really sides, pick definitely. and choosing a few different things that don't really mesh. or that It doesn't seem like it would make sense because I was thinking also during that scene when she's blackmailing um, the lesbian school teacher, you know, a, a few scenes ago she was having these grand um, illusions of becoming a successful mother superior and, you know, having power, uh, which is somewhat feminist, you know. she's. I was like, I wrote down, oh, she's a feminist. <laughs> Yeah, and also when she's talking to the uh, the doctor um, and basically like going toe to toe with him, and he's kind of demeaning her as a woman, saying things like, "Oh, I forget what it was, but something about like you know, I, I told the gentleman or the fellas or uh, the guys," and she does not back down, even though she is uh, um, a woman. Uh, she anyway, makes some comment. I think she even makes some comment about it being a patriarchy in a disdainful way, which is interesting because yes. clearly she's in love with the Monsignor, but she has no love lost for Arden. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that is kind of interesting that she... And then she comes, goes after the, the two lesbian, uh, uh, or the lesbian couple, which one is clearly somewhat feminist, too, because she's you know going for a Pulitzer in the 1960s as a female journalist, which is rare. <laughs> right, right. And so... I mean, I guess she she values. You could say she's she has you know she's self interested, but then at the same time, you know, she had some uh, had a little bit of a heart for Lily Rabe's nun, and so there's right. definitely some inner turmoil going on within uh, Sister June. Right, she already has a she, you know she has another dimension to her besides being just this evil uptight uh, rule master. Exactly. Um, so I, I assume that conflict will only be kind of uh, expanded upon as we continue. Were you upset um, with that scene? Did you feel bad for? I believe it's Clay Duval is the actress who plays the lover. 
of uh, the journalist. I was still kind of pissed off with her, even though, I mean, obviously it was a difficult situation, but you're looking at the love of your life being committed. Okay, so your career in that town is over, you know, there's scandal or whatever, but still, it's like, the alternative is the love of your life is being imprisoned in an insane asylum. I mean, if you love her that much... I, I mean, and they hinted a little bit that maybe her resolve was not so strong when she had to be sure the blinds were closed oh, before that they could me. kiss each other or anything. She's not as progressive. I mean, not as ready to be open about things as her counterpart is. Just like Kit wasn't, or Kit's wife wasn't as ready to be uh, out there with, uh, with their uh, interracial marriage. Exactly. So we have a little bit so of So we contrast. had to get beat over the head with it by the blinds being closed as if we already didn't know that it was kind of Secret, yeah, yeah, that it was not. And it, Kit it saying, "Let's tell everyone," and her saying, "No," that was just a little redundant for me. I, I feel like yeah. we got it. Okay, so we understand basically that the people who are coming to Briarcliff are people who are just defying social norms. I mean, right. we clearly the, we have the, the crazies, taboos. Exactly, we have the, the crazies, and then we have the people who are just embodying these taboos. Right. Um, yeah, but that scene definitely did. I did find a little. I mean, but probably true to the time. I think. I mean, but uh, definitely frustrating. Yeah, anyway, during that scene with uh, her uh, sister Jude visiting uh, uh, the journalist's uh, girlfriend, I wrote. I wrote. I wrote down uh, swag and, <laughs> and ruthless to get her way. So she was definitely self-interested, but she had like this. It, it was just. It was. It was up based on. Jessica Lang's acting chops, but she just had this swagger about her that was so cunning and smart. She's sly. She's definitely cunning yeah. and sly. Yeah. Like the way she hinted, like she just slowly uh, unraveled the the, relation, the homosexual relationship. For all you Game of Thrones fans out there, this reminded me a little bit of like a Littlefinger-esque type maneuver here where it was all about, you know, manipulating people one way or another. Basically, this girl was going to be screwed either way. Um, so I did think that was very cunning. I, I wrote down the word inversion. They called it her inversion. That's right. That's right. I, I thought that, that was a long time. I thought that was a very interesting hot word there, too. Um, and so from that scene, we're kind of getting toward the end. We see Sister June decides she's going to explore this room where the journalist was attacked. So she goes, she unlocks the door, and opens it to find Dr. Arden sanitizing the walls. Now, he says that this room has been vacant for years, that he needs it for some extra storage space, although we clearly see the sister running her fingers across fingernail scrapes that are all over the walls. And obviously we saw the journalist attacked uh, from some creature in this room. So once again, we have the sinister character of Dr. Arden, and we have another clash. And he pretty much threatens her. And tells her how she calls him like a ferret, and he said he once had a pet ferret, and then it bit him and he broke his neck. I know another blatantly obvious metaphor. Is so uh, it was like, <laughs> I, I got it. You guys don't like each other. <laughs> there was there was no subtlety at all. I felt no. like within this episode, really. And we end the episode back in the present with a pretty clean segue where Adam Levine is kind of bleeding out on the floor, opens his eyes, his girlfriend's running down a hall and runs he's into... He's gagged, I believe. I think he's, he's gagged. gagged. Yeah. Yep. And she runs into Bloody Face. 
who essentially looks like he's wearing some sort of sonon mask thing of patches of skin. He's got a little tuft of hair on the top and teeth going every which direction. Reminded me a little bit. Do you, you've seen the Goonies, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. the guy's... What's the... Uh, Shoot, this is embarrassing because I can't remember. The big... Uh, the, the monster guy. Hey, you guys. Yeah. Uh, but I'm... Yeah, I, kind of. Little yeah. elfy. Exactly, but I don't exact. I have a feeling that bloody face is not going to be so sweet on the inside. So that'll be interesting to see as the story develops, how the bloody face plotline develops. I would like to note, though, that if this story is taking place in 1964, in the present day is now. I mean, clearly, that's if that's somehow the same person, it would have to be a young person. So it could be Kit. He would have to be an old man now. Um, if we assume he's 25 when this took place in 1964. Maybe the, maybe I it's mean, the baby that someone gets knocked up with. It's got to be like 70. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the, yeah, maybe it's some passed down through yeah. heritage kind of thing. But I, I assume the time span will be addressed. At first I was wondering what the point of even having the present day aspect was. I agree. That's still very unclear. And so that is. must have something to... I mean, there it, it, clearly Bloody Face is the connection. And maybe that'll reveal the truth about who Bloody Face is, is the fact that he's still alive right now. Because otherwise the present day seemed like kind of a cliché... Oh, the, the, the final sequence in the in, in the in the present day completely reminded me of one of those horror comedies you see in the movies these days, which are you know a cheap, fun way to watch a somewhat scary movie, but very cliche. Exactly. I would have to say overall, I was not a huge fan of the present day scenes. I was much more taken with the um, the past, but obviously there, there's a lot more interesting stuff kind of going on. And, and like, like you, you said, said, it wasn't as scary, you know, it was much just more atmospheric, you know, tone setting, nothing really, no booze like in, uh, in, uh, but, but, but even then the murder house in the beginning was much more creepy. This place is definitely creepy, but it's not, my skin wasn't crawling yet. Exactly. But I mean, obviously, there's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of setting up to do. Maybe now that the table's set, we'll be able to um, bring in a little bit more of the scary stuff in the next few episodes. One thing we didn't touch at all on is what did you think of Joseph Fiennes? Um, we talked, obviously, about the scene with him and the sister. That was really the all, all we see of him, I think, in this opening episode. Yeah, that um, was it. And I, I, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, he has ambition as well. Uh, we know he is the uh, desire of uh, uh, Sister Jude's lust. <laughs> I thought it was well acted. I thought that, you know, it, the way he spoke, you couldn't really tell if maybe he was flirting with her somewhat when he went to pour her wine and she blocked it and stuff like that. I mean, right. does he right. have some sort of reciprocal feelings? Or is he just using her as a means to an end to help propel himself to Cardinal of New York? I'm not sure. Right. How much I was that that, that was fantasized of her? I don't know really where it started. <laughs> yeah, and where it started and where it ended, exactly. Yeah. Um, which, once again, I think will be a common theme, is how much is actually happening here? and how much is happening in the characters' minds. Right. We which is fitting ghosts, for yeah. an asylum. <laughs> well, but we do have aliens. Right. So, well, that, that's, that's what it is, I think. Like, the ghosts here, like, the, the question of is this person a ghost or not from last season is this year's version is, is this person hallucinating or crazy, uh, you know, hallucinating these visions or are they actually sane? Right. Exactly. 
And so this is yeah, this is going to be a lot more internal than last season, I think. Um, inward reflection. I'm excited. So, I am excited too. So now we're going to talk about kind of the brief promo clip we saw of a few upcoming episodes and a little bit about what we expect coming up here. Um, so it was a quick flash of, you know, maybe 45 seconds of chopped together scenes from upcoming episodes. Zachary Quinto will be that showing up. That was my up. first surprise. So, I, I totally forgot that he was in it. And then I saw him in the, well, he was the first name dropped in the title sequence. So I remember right. that. <laughs> he was the first name in the credits, but didn't even make an appearance in this one. But you know what? It, it was so crowded already. It was probably right. That's best fine. that they didn't. And they'll have him show up and be kind of the yin to Dr. Arden's yang, I guess, uh, as far That's as what it looks like. it, science goes. So right. I'm interested to see what his relationship will be with Jessica Lange's character. Because it, they could be allies against Dr. Arden, but at the same time, she is clearly not a fan of science. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see the relationship there. We mentioned exorcisms, which will be interesting to uh, see how they depict that. I wonder if we'll be seeing an exorcist type homage. I hope so. I hope so too. I don't know about a, a full head turning around and vomiting everywhere, no. but maybe, but maybe I, some subtleties. Are you scared though that that this is just way too much shit to pile on the plate? <laughs> Absolutely, I think that is definitely a concern going in. So, like, I, in what world does an exorcism happen where aliens are also abducting people and monsters live in the woods? This right. is like a lot. <laughs> it's take, it so far feels like a mashup of maybe four or five horror movies all at once. Yeah. And so I hope they tie it together well. Yeah. And it's I, not... As long as the storyline and the narrative keeps progressing, then it's okay if these side random things happen as long as the, the natural story arc happens, I, I, I think. But all this, like, all of a sudden, like, jolting us to an alien scene and then jolting us to a. It, it still worked. Um, today, at least, because it, 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 the, the storyline flowed for the characters. But I hope it always stays on the path. I agree with you. I think it worked this time, but I am curious to see how it'll work going forward because I do think that you can't have all these separate branches of horror. They're going to have to intersect at some point. For uh, Otherwise, it's going to be distracting when we're jumping from aliens to raspers in the woods to... Um, I don't know, bloody face. You know, yeah. Who who do you think our main characters are going to be for the rest of the season? Well, clearly, Kit's, Kit's going to be a focus. I would say the three people are going to revolve around are Kit, the journalist, and the sister, Jude, played Jessica by Lane. Jessica Lange. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's not as clear as it was in season one when we had the Harmon family. There's not a central point, but I think that since they're kind of the three perspectives we followed, um, they will be our our key points. Um, and then also in the promo for next for upcoming episodes, we see that um, the sister tries to enlist people to escape. Or no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, the the journalist, lesbian journalist, tries to mount an escape. Um, right. I can only imagine that will go poorly. I don't know if they'll be met by raspers or something worse, but we will see. Someone's gonna have to die at some point. Who's going to be the first death? It's probably going to be one of these side characters we met. I did see that they said Chloe Sevigny was in a guest starring role. So that Special guest. I saw that too. So I imagine she'll be gone in a few episodes. Yeah, I'm wondering if she's going to be one of our first killed. Yeah. I also uh, not, have a feeling... Not before like, she has sex with a main character. Yeah, yeah. She'll, yeah she'll, have to, she'll have to plow her way through a few other people first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think... Uh, I, I have a feeling that that's not the last we saw of Clay Duval, also the 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 girlfriend of the journalist. I think that she might try to help her 
in some form and may become a casualty because of it. I could definitely see that happening as well. I am, and I, I certainly think we'll see continue to see flashbacks to Kit's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, see flashes of of probing. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like we also got hints that Lily Rabe's character she's not as nice and sweet as we think she might be. Like she's she has some kind of creepy uh, 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 lines that she was saying in that in the in the in the uh, flash forward to future episodes. Right, exactly. It'll be interesting to see her character right now. Seems very simple mm-hmm. and. People are taking advantage of her, but she could have a darker past than we realize. And she punishes herself more than anyone else ever could punish her. So, Yeah, exactly. And then, obviously, Arden looked extremely sinister, I thought, in the trailer for upcoming episodes. He, right now, is already find bad guy. Uh, the only one who we really haven't seen any light, you know, any heart in so far. Um, other than, I guess, Bloody Face, who we hardly saw at all. <laughs> uh, but... Maybe he's bloody face. I don't know. Right. We'll have to find out. Yeah, but I think that's just about a wrap. But I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about for sure. And I think we can only eagerly wait for next week's episode to see how this stuff unravels. Right. We have the basis. We have somewhat of a foundation now. Now it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how these characters evolve and if they can actually scare me. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the hope. So hopefully we'll get past this exposition and get to terror. Yeah. I'll be sleeping pretty easy tonight. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) Um, So I think that's just about a wrap. Thank you guys for joining us this evening. Um, Remember that you can always find us on iTunes at This American Horror Story Podcast. You can find us online at ThisAmericanHorrorStory.com. You can find us on Facebook at This American Horror Story Podcast, like our page. And you can also send us an email with your questions or comments or concerns at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. I am Tyler Moss. You can follow me on Twitter at TJMoss11. And I'm Chris Husted. You can follow me at uh, Chris at Chris Husted. That's K-R-I-S. Uh, and also, we live tweet during the show, so that's fun. Yeah, so join us for that next time. All right, horror freaks. Have a great night. Happy hauntings, and see you next week.